Another thing I really want to share with you before I get into the message, something I'm extremely excited about is something we are deeming Harmony Heart. All right, so Harmony Heart is going to be the name of this new program. Uh, so many of you know Sam Bowman. Uh, you know him as many different names, Sam Bowman or Grandpa Cratchit, whichever one you want to use. Uh, he's all of those personalities wrapped in one. Another one personality that you may not know about Sam is that he is Sam the counselor as well. Sam the counselor and also Sam the teacher. Uh, so if you know Sam, you can't have a conversation with him without him going into some kind of teaching mode because it's just who he is, right? He's just a teacher through and through. And what many of you maybe also don't realize about Sam is that he actually has education and schooling in the area of counseling. Um, in fact, he is two classes away from a master's degree in counseling. Uh, but not only has he had a lot of education in counseling, he's also had a lot of life experience. Um, he, he, he has lived through a lot of different things. Um, him and Debbie both have just lived through a lot of very difficult, very different kinds of things um, that has given them just unique perspectives on life. Um, but they've also had a lot of practice in counseling people. Uh, they're, they're, they're sitting down, they're counseling people. I think right now they're counseling two or three people even now uh, just through different things in life. And so, so again, you may not have realized that, but Sam and Debbie both, they're tremendous counselors and they have a true gift for that. And so they came, Sam came to us a few weeks ago, uh, probably more like a month or more ago now, uh, and begin expressing that, that the, he feels like the Lord is moving into this new season of life where he's going to begin taking on more of this counseling role, more than he even has uh, been doing so uh, on a normal basis. And so we wanted to come along and support that as best we could. So we came up with this idea of Harmony Heart, where in-house we will have a professional good, solid counselor here within the church that we all have access to. Uh, it'll also be open to the public. So not just within the church, but it will be advertised to the public, uh, this counseling service through Sam, um, which is going to be incredible, such a gift. Um, so Pastor Ron and I, you know, we, we do our best when it comes to counseling, but to, to be completely honest, neither of us have had any formal education or anything like that. So we, we basically go and you, you, people bring us our problems and we're like, yeah, well, let's pray. <laughs> you know, like, like, hey, let's pray. We'll anoint you. You know, we'll do, we'll dump a bottle of oil on you or something. We, you know, we do the best we can, but it's going to be such a huge asset to the church to now have somebody who has had the formal education, but not just the formal education, but has the gift of counseling and can walk through different stages of life, different difficulties of life with us hand in hand. And so Sam Bowman is going to begin doing that here with us within the church. Um, we're converting the office upstairs or office. We're converting the old nursery upstairs into an office. Um, and that's where it's going to be. So all of this to say, all of this is going to launch April 11th. Um, we are going to launch this ministry uh, on April 11th, and we're going to begin it with uh, combining all of the Sunday school classes. And Sam is going to begin just teaching us for four weeks on what this is going to look like, what counseling is, and really probably just kind of have a group teaching counseling session there to kind of kick this ministry off. And so I don't know about you. I'm extremely, extremely excited about this opportunity, this ministry that is coming down the hall. How about you guys? Is that, is that exciting or what? Yeah. It's going to be a tremendous asset to the church, and uh, it's going to... 
Sign, sign your family. Kathy, she's not even ashamed. That's right. Sign me up. I need some counseling. All right. Well, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Sam said we're, we're kicking it off April 11th, but it's not like he's not going to listen to you until April 11th. So, so, so if you, if you are interested in that, then please go see him and, and set up something with him. He, I know that that's his heart and that's what he wants to do. And so, um, I'm extremely excited. It's going to be such a huge blessing to the church and to the community. Um, and what a gift we have here in the church. Uh, and Sam and Debbie both. What a gift we have in them. An anointing that is just real and authentic and powerful. And I'm excited to begin to tap into that um, in the days to come. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, God, we are here for you, Father. God, we've come this morning, yes, to see each other, yes, for community, and, and yes, of course, to uh, lift each other up. But Father, more than that, we've come to hear your voice. We've come to experience your presence and to hear a word from heaven. So Father, we just pray that this morning, uh, God, I pray that my words would not be with persuasive words of human wisdom, but would be in demonstration of the spirit and of power that our, our faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but would be in the power of God. Father, I pray that you would come and ignite a fire in my words this morning. Jesus, that it would just uh, divide soul and spirit that would come like a sword and pierce our hearts. Jesus, I pray that this morning as we leave this building, Father, that we would leave with a deeper communion with you and, Father, a deeper understanding and revelation of your love for us. God, we honor you this morning. We ask once again for your presence to dwell in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you loved hearing Matthew Seibel preach last week? Wasn't that powerful? Speaking of gifts and anointings we have right here in the church, what a gift and an anointing we have sitting right here in these chairs in Matthew and Brandy Seibel. Um, just so honored that you guys are here and so honored that you have chosen to pour into this house, into this ministry. Um, it was, it, last week's message was, I, I believe for some of us, was a mon monumental shift. It was, uh, you know, he talked about stepping out of that jail cell that we, a lot of us are sitting in that jail cell, jail, jail cell. And, uh, the door that we believe is locked is wide open. And all we have to do is step out of it. And, and, and I believe that there was many that stepped out of that cell. And I think it's important that we stay out of that cell. Amen. That we stay out of that cell. We stay free. We live this Christian life, not all bottled up and, and, uh, and, and trying, to, trying to do our best to keep everything in line, but we live this Christian life as children, right? Come, uh, he said, bring the children to me. And he said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like one of these little ones. We got to approach the kingdom as a child. And that was such a good reminder of that last week. Matthew, we thank you so much for that word. So Matthew preached last week. Next week, Pastor Ron's going to come and give us a word um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, so I knew I had one Sunday in between to, uh, to bring a word to you. Um, and I, I, I'll be honest, this week I, I struggled at first to hear a word uh, from the Lord. And uh, it wasn't until really last night. I promise I prepare. I promise I do. Uh, but, and normally I'm, I'm usually ready to go, but for some reason it wasn't until last night, uh, Amber and I sat down 
And uh, I began telling her a little bit of what I was thinking and we began just having this conversation. So this message today was birthed out of that conversation. Honestly, as many of our messages are, I say are because it really is, our message uh, comes from is just sitting down and just talking about the Lord. And so uh, I wanna share that with you this morning. It's gonna be uh, probably our last installment of the Holy Man series, the Holy Man. So what is this whole series been about? This whole series has been about this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So when we became Christians, when we accepted Jesus into our heart, it says that the old man passed away. Romans 6 tells us the old man has died. Behold, there is a new man. Corinthians tells us that, uh, that behold, all things have come new. The old self, the old order has vanished. Everything has become new, which begs the question, what does that look like? What does it look like for the old man to die and the new man to come to life? What does the new man look like? So we've been going through different attributes of what that could look like. We looked at being unoffended. We looked at humility. We looked at not being pretenders, but being authentic. Um, and so those are just a handful of the things we've talked about. This morning, I wanna talk about this with you. The holy man is fulfilled. The holy man walks fulfilled. The holy man is settled. The holy man is settled. So I wrote this paragraph. I says, the holy man is settled. He needs not riches or perfect circumstances to be content. He doesn't wait for his dreams and ambitions to be fulfilled in order to have fulfillment. He is not anxious or fearful that he cannot live up to his potential. He is not on a timeline because he understands legacy. The holy man doesn't live to find fulfillment. He lives from fulfillment. I'm, I'm gonna read that all one more time because there's a lot packed into that little paragraph um, that's really important. So let me read it one more time. The holy man is settled. He needs not riches or perfect circumstances to be content. He doesn't wait for his dreams and ambitions to be fulfilled in order to have fulfillment. Did you hear that? He doesn't need his dreams and ambitions to be fulfilled in order to be fulfilled. He is not anxious or fearful that he cannot live up to his potential. This is, this is a big one right here. He is not on a timeline because he understands legacy. We're gonna get into that a lot deeper here in a moment. The holy man doesn't live to find fulfillment. He lives from fulfillment. When I read this yesterday to Amber, first of all, she was absolutely amazed at my ability to craft a paragraph. <laughs> I'm a wordsmith, you know? And secondly, she, she said immediately, she said, that sounds exactly like Abraham. When you read that paragraph, the very first person biblically that pops into my head is Abraham, is Abraham. So we begin talking about Abraham. Let's look, let's look at the life of Abraham. Um, to do that, Hebrews 11 uh, gives us a really good summary of Abraham's life. So I'm gonna read that to you. Hang with me, it's a little bit long. 
um, but I'm going to do my best to, to read it well. So let's, let's look at Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. It says, Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going. Abraham stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant in the promised land as though it belonged to somebody else. He journeyed throughout the land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were persuaded that they also were co-heirs of the same promise. His eyes of faith were set on the city with unshakable foundations, whose architect and builder is God himself. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. Man, that's good. Her authority, the authority of her faith, what gave her faith power was that she rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. In fact, so many children were subsequently fathered by this aged man of faith, one who was as good as dead, that he now has offspring as innumerable as the seas or as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. These heroes all died, still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised them. But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promise and got gladly embraced it from afar. He understood legacy. He gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. For clearly those who live, in the, who live this way are longing for the appearing of a heavenly city. And if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back. But they couldn't turn back for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater. That is the heavenly realm. So because of this, God is not ashamed in any way to be called their God. For he has prepared a heavenly city for them. There's a lot there, isn't there? There's a lot to Abraham's life. Let's begin to unpack this a little bit and put into perspective the life of Abraham. In Genesis 12, Yahweh tells him to leave his homeland, <coughs> excuse me, to leave his homeland, leave all of his family behind and get this, this is where he tells him to go, to a land that I will show you. Imagine that. At this point in time, one, one thing is, is, is interesting. At this point in time, Abraham is 75 years old. 75, the Hebrew, or I'm sorry, uh, Genesis tells us that he is 75 years old. And he's been living in this land called Ur for these generations. And God one day tells him, comes to him and says, I want you to pack up the family and I want you to leave this place that you are familiar with. Leave all of your family behind. Most of us, when we're 75 years old, we're not leaving our family. We're getting as close to them as possible, right? Because we, we need somebody to take care of us when we get older. But, but God comes to him at 75 years old and says, we're go hey, welcome back, everybody. I know you didn't want me to do that. That's why I did it. It's good seeing you all. So at 75 years old, he tells him to pack up the family, leave all of that's familiar and to go not to a specific place, but to a land that I will show you. If, if I were to do that in my house, 
Many of you know my wife well. She's a planner, right? Everything's planned out. She, I wake up every morning and I look, o- look over at her and I say, what are we doing today? Because I know she knows exactly what we're doing that day. She's a planner. If I were to come, to, if husbands, if you were to go to your wives and say, hey, God told me to pack up the house, put it all in a U-Haul, to jump in the who, U-Haul, U-Haul, and just, and start driving. I don't know where we're going to go, but God told us just to go. What would your spouse say? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> You're crazy, right? You're crazy. If you give me a location, we will talk about it. But until you can give me A, B, and C of what's going to happen, it ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> right? So God tells Moses, pack up your stuff. You're 75 years old. I know you're wanting to settle down, but you're 75 years old. Pack up everything you have, put them on the camels and begin walking. And when you get there, I'll let you know, right? This is the faith that Abraham had. And guess what he did? He packed up his camels, packed up his house, put it all on the camels, grabbed his family, grabbed his nephew Lot, And began walking. Just picked a direction. And started walking. Who knows how long. Abraham walked. Until God finally said. This is the place. Who knows knows how long that happened. I don't don't know. There's probably a scholar out there that has an idea. I'm not that guy. But who knows how long he started walking. Until God gave him the place. Imagine imagine that. Not, Not just having half of a word. Can any of you imagine only having half of a word? I can. I think everybody in this room has at one point in time heard the voice of the Lord tell you to go or to do something. And in your head, you're thinking, yeah, but when I get there, what's going to happen next? I need to know, God, before I step out, I need to know A, B, and C. Give me the entire plan. But how many of you know that God is really good at telling you only part of the plan and waiting for you to take that step of faith before he ever gives you the next part of the detail. Happens all the time. What does Psalm say? That I am a light to your, your what is it, a feet, path, lane? The moral of the story, <laughs> lane, feet, path, whatever translation you read, the moral of the story, whether it's New King James or Joe Shoemaker translation, whatever it is, The point is, is it says it's right there. The light is for the next step. Many times you don't get the next part of the plan. So what happens is, is we get stuck on the one promise and we never act on that promise because we don't have B and C. We only have A. And many of us are stuck on A of the promise and circling that mountain because we have been unfaithful to just step out and go with Word A, and believe God and trust God for B and C to come. But Abraham, the father of faith, stepped out on a word to go without having a destination to, at the end of that go. He stepped out in faith and began moving. He eventually came to the land of Canaan. Just warn you ahead of time, I'm going to say Canaan a lot. I will probably say Canaan at some point in time. Please don't make fun of me. It's Canaan. So he steps out, he goes, he finally lands in Canaan. And when he lands there, 
Yahweh appears to him again and says that this is going to be the land of your inheritance. That this entire land, everything that you see in front of you, this land of Canaan will be yours and will be your seeds after you. That this is going to be your land. Amen. So he gives him this next promise. He stepped out in faith. He got A. He stepped out in part A of the plan. He lands in Canaan and sees part B of the plan. That this is the land that you will inherit. Here's the problem. In Abraham's entire life, he never owns a deed to the land of Canaan. Canaan. See? <laughs> Brady thinks it's funny. He never owns the land. He never actually owns any part of the land of Canaan. In fact, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, it says he lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land. That he, Abraham had to wake up every morning in his tent, traveling to different parts of the land, watching the Canaanites who owned the land reap the harvest of the land that was promised to him. Every morning he had to wake up and see the land, live in the land as an immigrant and a foreigner of the land that God promised would be his and his descendants. Yet never one day in Abraham's life did he own a speck of dust on that land. He lived his life as an immigrant on the land that God had promised him. He lived his life as an immigrant on the land that God had promised him. Can you imagine how frustrating that must have been? That he audibly heard the voice of God come to him and say, this is the land I am going to give it to you. This is your inheritance. This is going to be the land that I give not only to you, but generations after you. Your children's children's children are going to live and dwell and reap the harvest in this land of Canaan. Can you imagine how frustrating it had to have been to wake up and living in a tent as an immigrant on the land that was supposed to be yours, that was promised to you? Can you imagine the questions that were constantly going through Abraham's mind? God, I know that I know that I heard you. You promised me this land. You said that this was going to be mine and then this was going to be the inheritance I give to my kids, to my children after me. That you've promised me this land. Yet I wake up every day in this tent in a different spot in the land. Not owning any of it, but as an immigrant, as a foreigner to these people who actually own the land. Can you imagine the questions? Can you imagine the frustration Abraham had to have felt that he left everything? That's the thing. He left everything behind on this word, on this promise. And he had to live as an immigrant, watching others own what he was promised that he would own. How frustrating is that? I don't know about you, but I can absolutely relate to that frustration. I can absolutely relate to that frustration. That I've known what it's like to hear a promise, a word from God. That I know beyond a shadow of a doubt was the word of God to me. And have to every day wake up seeing that word unfulfilled. I'm going to be real vulnerable here just for a moment. 
we, we believe with all of our heart. I believe, listen, I believe with all of my heart that God wants this place, this congregation to be cancer free. I believe it with all of my heart, not just because I've heard the word, but I believe that even just reading the scriptures, you cannot ignore the fact that God believes in miraculous, believes in healing and believes in making people whole. I believe it with all my heart. So you have, so, so every time I hear another person call me and say, they found a, they found a, a mass in this location or this location, I'm gonna have to do treatments. How frustrating that is, knowing I've heard a word from the Lord. Knowing that, that, this, that God's will is for that not to happen, but being frustrated because I have not seen it fulfilled. Or revival, I know revival is coming and we are experiencing it in measures in different places. But I know that the revival that I, I see and the revival I know is coming is much greater than what we're seeing and experiencing now. I, I, I've said this a thousand times and I'm gonna say it until you believe it with me. I believe the greatest revival in history and the history of mankind is right on our doorstep. I believe we are on the precipice of the greatest revival in history. I know, I know it doesn't look like that in the natural. I know that, that politics and I know that, that the, the, the pandemic and I know that all, we can come up with all kinds of crazy things that are happening right now that would be an indicator that that is not going to happen. But I believe with everything inside of me that those are just the rumblings of the earth groaning for the manifestations of those sons and daughters of God. I know it's happening. And I, I am in such anticipation that sometimes it's frustrating when I'm not seeing it take place right now. <laughs> Many of you have promises that you've heard from the Lord. Maybe it's, maybe it's a financial promise. You know, God wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be prosperous. This idea that God wants us to be poor is lame and is not true. He wants us to prosper. Why? He wants us to, this is a whole nother message. He wants us to prosper so that we can prosper others. Why would he not want the church to be the richest place in the world? To have the most finances in the world because, because not, not so we can gather and gain and greed, but so that we can use that to further the kingdom and to spread the gospel and to, to reach a lost and dying world, to help the, those folks at Harmony House that have to wake up every morning on the street. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just go, here's a car, here's a house. You know, you know maybe, it's, maybe it's a financial thing that you've, you've been waiting on the Lord. Maybe, here's a big one. Maybe it's a wayward son or daughter. Maybe you've raised them to know Jesus. They know right from wrong. They've experienced the presence of God, but they have become prodigal. And they have run away from your house and they're living in a way that you, they, they know and you know is not, not following the law and the rule and the love of God, the way God has set things to be. And they're wayward. And you've been believing for years, year after year after year, that God is going to encounter them in such a way that they will come home. And you've been believing for it, but you haven't seen it happen yet. It's frustrating. 
It's frustrating. It's, it takes a toll on your faith. It causes questions to come up in your mind. Maybe, uh, maybe I, know, I know of others who have, have longed to have children, but I've been unable to for one reason or another. I know personally of at least a couple couples that I know of personally who have longed for children but I've been unable to. And they feel like they've heard a word from the Lord that he wants to give them these kids, but it just hasn't manifested. Some of those stories, it has manifested. And there was a season of time and God has given them those kids. But isn't it frustrating when you know you've heard a word from the Lord, but you have been unable to see it fulfilled. Abraham was the king of that scenario. He lived it over and over again, right? He first was told to go to a land that I will tell you. So he gets up and leaves. He's, he's relying on the voice and the promise of the Lord. He finally gets to the land of Canaan and he, he settles in there and God says, this is the land I'm going to give you as an inheritance. He lives his entire life living as an immigrant in the land that he was promised. Then God comes and tells him, Abraham, you and your wife are going to have children, right? Everybody knows this part of the story. You're going to have kids and you're going to have kids as vast as the seas of, on the seashore and as many as the stars in the sky, you're going to have kids. Oh, by the way, you're like 85 at this point in time. How many of you that are 85 are ready to have another baby right now? I'm going to give you kids as vast as the sands of the seashore. And the reason why is Abraham came to him and said, God, you're giving me all of this land that he hasn't given him yet. But God, you're going to give me all of this land. I need somebody to leave that to. And God then promises him children as vast as the sands of the seashore. At around, I think it was around 85 years old. He tell, gives him that promise. He waits and waits and waits. She's, they're already past the age of childbearing, but they wait and they wait and they wait. Until he is a hundred years old. At that point in time, Isaac is going to be changing his diapers, right? He's a hundred. He's a hundred years old and has his first son. What was the promise? Children as vast, as many as the sands of the seashore. He has one kid. He has two. He has Ishmael, right? But one child of promise. One child of promise. But the promise was kids as vast as the sands of the seashore. Can you imagine hearing these words from the Lord, from Yahweh God, these promises, but having to live every day waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. Yet when we get all the way over into Hebrews, the Bible says that Abraham was the father of our faith. In Genesis 12 and also in Hebrews, it says this, it says, or Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abraham trusted every word Yahweh had spoken. And because of his faith, Yahweh credited him, credited it to him as righteousness. How did Abraham Stay fulfilled. You look at Abraham's life and he, even though he's waiting for all of these promises, you see in Abraham this settledness. You see in Abraham this, this peace 
that, that doesn't make any sense. You see in him this, this fulfillment of his life, even though he's waiting on these promises to be fulfilled, even though he's, he's yet to see all of these things happen, he's, there's this peace, there's, there's no anxiety, there's, there's no worry. Obviously, he has moments that we, we read about, but overall, the grand picture of Abraham is that through all of it, he was settled. He was good. He was, he was all right. Even though he had to wake up in a tent in somebody else's land that was promised to him, he was all right. He was the father of faith. What made it possible for him to be so settled, to be so fulfilled, yet not receive the promise? It tells us in Genesis 15, I just read it. Abraham believed the Lord. Abraham believed the Lord. I'm going to read it here in the Passion Translation. Abraham trusted every word Yahweh had spoken. Abraham was able to be settled, even though he had yet to receive the promise, because he trusted God. He trusted that what God said he would do, he would do. And he rested in that trust. How do you and I, how does, how does the holy man walk in fulfillment? How does he live his life from a place of fulfillment, even though the promises and the dreams and the things that he desires and sees have yet to come to pass? How does the holy man walk in fulfillment? The holy man walks in fulfillment because the holy man fully trusts the word of the Lord and is unmoved by the circumstances around him. That when we can get to a place of total trust on the Father, then we will be settled in every situation, in every scenario, in every circumstance. Even if we have yet to see the promise fulfilled, we will be settled because we know that the word of the Lord does not return void. But it accomplishes everything it sets out to do. Trust is the key ingredient to walking in, in fulfillment. Fulfillment isn't found in fulfillment. Fulfillment is found in trust. Let me say that one more time. Fulfillment is not found in fulfillment. Does everybody understand that? Fulfillment is not found in you fulfilling all of your wildest dreams and promises. Fulfillment is found in trust. When you can get to a place of complete and total dependence on the word and you trust that word, then you can walk and live from a place of fulfillment rather than working and living to be fulfilled. Amen. Abraham trusted. Listen to this. He so believed God that his promises were true that in verse nine of chapter 11, it says that even Isaac and Abraham's grandson, Jacob, who lived with him in the tents, were persuaded that they were co-heirs co of the same promise. That Abraham was so convinced of the promise that he ingrained that trust and that promise into Isaac and Jacob. This is where legacy comes in, ladies and gentlemen. That Abraham was so convinced of the word that he thought, well, maybe if I don't see it accomplished, I know that my sons and my grandsons will see the word come to pass. He so believed the word of the Lord that I love how it says, and it's in a, see there, verse 16. 
uh, of, of Hebrews 11. Verse six, I'm sorry, not verse 16. It says, these heroes all died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised them. But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises and gladly embraced it from afar. That they had enough sight, foresight, that they could see beyond their own generation, beyond their own life into the next generation. And they realized that the voice of the Lord is so trustworthy that if I don't see it in my generation, I have enough faith to believe that it will happen in the next generation and in the next generation. That's why he could walk around Canaan every day waking up declaring this is our land. This is our promise. And when, Abraham, when Isaac and Jacob were born, he began telling them at a young age, hey, son, hey, grandson, this is your land. It was promised to us from Yahweh God himself. And this is your land. And we will see Canaan under our family jurisdiction. Legacy. Legacy takes the weight off of you. Legacy takes the weight off of you to see everything fulfilled in your lifetime. What if we could believe that even if we don't see it, I have enough faith and foresight to believe my sons and daughters are going to see it? What if I have enough trust in the Lord to believe that if I don't receive the promise, it does, if, if I die still clinging to the promise, it doesn't mean the promise was a lie. But that if I don't see it, I have enough faith and trust to believe my sons and daughters will see it. Legacy takes off the pressure, takes off the weight. Do you realize God is not in a hurry that God sees multi-generationally. We see this over and over again in the Bible, that God sees multi-generationally. He doesn't see our 80 to 90 to 100 years on this earth and that's it. He sees multi-generationally. He sees eternity from an eternal perspective. Therefore, if he sees from an eternal perspective, then we should have eyes to be able to see from an eternal perspective. And legacy, seeing from a place of legacy takes the weight and the pressure off of us to have every box checked before we pass away. That the promise doesn't die when you die. The promise was given to you, but it may be realized in your sons and your daughters. And when you can come to a place of trust, so much trust that you see multi-generationally, that you believe that even if I don't see it, my sons and daughters will. When you can come to that place, then you can walk in a place of fulfillment, of settledness, knowing that I don't have to do all the work. I just have to believe the promise and I have to obey. If he tells me to get up and to leave, I'm going to get up and leave. If he tells me this is the land that I'm going to declare every single day of my life, that this is the land, that we don't give up on the promise because we haven't seen it come to pass yet. But will we leave and we trust him with everything that we have, even if it means we view it from legacy's viewpoint. Amen. I'm gonna finish up reading this one more time. Listen up closely. Now that you've heard the message, listen to these words. The holy man is settled. He needs not riches or perfect circumstances to be content. 
He doesn't wait for his dreams and ambitions to, to be fulfilled in order to have fulfillment. He is not anxious or fearful that he cannot live up to his potential. He is not on a timeline. Listen, you are not on a timeline. You are not on a timeline. The word that was spoken to you, you may, be, may have heard that word when you were 30 years old and you may be 80 years old now and haven't seen it come to pass yet. Listen, you are not on a timeline. It doesn't, it doesn't pass away as the years pass away. That his word does not return void. We need to start seeing it from legacies perspective that you, the holy man, is not on a timeline because he understands legacy. The holy man doesn't live to find fulfillment. He lives from fulfillment. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, hallelujah. God, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not on a timeline. And because you're not on a timeline, we don't have to be either. God, I thank you that you are absolutely 100% trustworthy. God, that you are faithful to every word that comes out of your mouth. God, that you have never spoken a lie. There has never been a lie that has come from your mouth. But you, every word that you have spoken has come to pass and is true and is faithful. And because of that, Father, we choose today we choose today to say we trust you completely. And if you told us a promise, then every day of our lives, we are going to proclaim that promise because we know that you are true and you are trustworthy. And we know that one day we will see every word come to pass. Every promise will come to pass. And Father, from that place of trust, from that place of understanding your faithfulness. God, we are now, we can be and have the opportunity to be settled, to live our life not anxious, not from a place of worry or fear. We can live our lives not wondering uh, if, if the next day is going to be the day that the promise is fulfilled. But Father, we, we can live our life completely settled. God, that we do not have to wait for our dreams and ambitions to become reality before we find fulfillment. God, that we are fulfilled in one thing. Our fulfillment is already, or our fulfillment is found in one thing. And that is to see you, to know you to trust you, that just like it says in Hebrews 11, that our mind is set on the heavenly realm. God, we see a heavenly realm. God, we don't look back in our past, but God, our eyes are pressing forward to the heavenly realm, to where you sit enthroned. And with our eyes focused on you, Jesus, our trust is real and our fulfillment is realized. God, we walk and we live from fulfillment, not to be fulfilled. God, and I pray that everyone in this room would receive the revelation of trust and receive the revelation of legacy. God, that we would walk fulfilled from a place of fulfillment and that we would walk settled and unmoved as believers. God, together as a congregation, we just say we trust you this morning. God, we trust you this morning. Reignite in us the promises you have given us. Reignite in us the promises you have given us to believe that they are true and that they are trustworthy. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Reiterate it one more time. You are not on a timeline. That God's word is absolutely faithful and true. That you don't have to be anxious. That you don't have to be fearful. But you can be settled in knowing that he is trustworthy. Amen. Amen. We love you all. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we are tearing down this morning. So if you could help with that, I'd be very, we'd be very grateful. We'll see you all next week. Love you.